Welcome to the Big Brand Hack, where we break down what big brands do to market themselves, so smaller businesses can do the same. My name is Serene Lung, and I've been helping big brands market themselves since 1999. With the advent of technology, businesses have gone through so much flux, such that so many must either change or die, you know, like Kodak, Blackberry, or Blockbuster. Remember that popular video store down the road? Likewise, the media business has had to change. From being largely advertising-funded, many media companies are now going the way of Netflix, subscription-based and digitally distributed. The marketing question today we are answering is, how do you get your audience to pay for content when for so long they haven't had to pay? After all, it was largely advertising-funded or subsidised. We will also be touching today on film budgets or the lack of and the art of copy. Joining us in today's discussion is creative director Kevin Jeeves. Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Serene, thank you, and good to be here. Yes, my name is Kevin Jeeves. I have been in advertising for 33 years, which means that I am old, um, <laughs> but also 33 years in Asia, actually. So I spent most of my time either in Hong Kong or Singapore, the two countries where I've worked the most. And I've worked for just two agencies, which makes me one of those rare creatives who has been loyal to an agency and been loyal to their clients. So 25 years after arriving at Ogilvy, I left and I have now got my own advertising agency. It's called Societal and we have been going for three years. Thanks for taking the time to be here, Kevin. To shed light on today's topic, our case study is the New York Times' The Truth is Worth It campaign by Droga5. It's a series of five short films, and each film is the backstory behind a breaking news story. What's interesting is that there was no shooting budget. It was entirely made up of actual footage and audio captured by the journalist in the writing of the story. Although film is a visual medium, this campaign is copy-led, going through blow-by-blow blow the gruelling process of journalism to ultimately culminate in a headline story in the New York Times. Want to see it? Well, just visit thebigbrandhack.com and you can watch the film. So, Kevin, what's your first impression? Well, first of all, it was one of the pieces of advertising that really, for me, shone at uh, Cannes this year. I really enjoyed the fact, actually enjoy it. I just thought that the, the idea behind it of piecing together a story to create uh, the bigger picture was a phenomenal way to get their point across. Because I'm sure as a journalist, if I was a journalist, you'd be picking up elements of a story over a period of time. And at sometimes that element or that particular part of the story doesn't make sense or you fail to see how it can glue together. And the way that they looked at this creative was in many ways the same way as uh, a journalist looks at that story. They executed and brought it to life in a way that brought the story together bit by bit, piece by piece, word by word, phrase by phrase, until at the end of each of the films that they created, one got the complete message and not just the complete message, but an overriding feeling that they had dug deep, found the proof and really had a story worth reading. And they had a killer line at the end, which I thought was just magnificent. The truth doesn't report itself, which I thought was just a wonderful way to finish off the films. So all in all, just a really well-crafted, well-made, well-brought-together 
set of work off really strong idea that I think, you know, if I had done myself, I would uh, well, actually I'd retire, just go home, I've done it. Totally agree. For me, given that this campaign is about truth, the usage of actual footage and sound gave the film such integrity that in so doing, you know, it made it that much more powerful. And imagine it was done without the shooting budget. You know, this just goes to show it's not about the budget. It's about how clear your message is and how you actually send that message across with the right, appropriate kind of execution. Well, I would, I would agree and disagree to a degree. I think that the simplicity of the editing actually masks the complexity of the editing because they probably had to go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs and images that were taken by New York Times photographers or from the syndicates that they pick up on. And then they had to string that together. They had to sit down and write every phrase. They had to look at the audio deck and see what little bits of audio they could put into it to string one photograph to the next photograph. Um, then they decided to how to write that copy and then how do we then break it up into the piece-by-piece piece elements that might have not made sense at the beginning for that journalist but then made sense once that complete story was told. So I think to do that actually takes time and it's not something that can be done overnight. You can't say, oh, we'll just get that edit done by, by, by tea time after starting at nine o'clock in the morning. No, this, this was a piece of work that took time, it took an effort and it took probably a hundred edits to get anywhere near right. So complex indeed and difficult indeed, but the way they executed it made it look so simple. Yep, that's right. The amount of complexity to get it done, it was crazy. I, I, you know, but what I really meant is you didn't have to throw money at it. You just needed to spend the money on the editing. And I'm sure it took hours and hours, weeks and months to do that. Well, actually, I just butt in there. I think mm -hmm. there's a very interesting uh, thing we could all learn from that, really, is that you don't necessarily need to, as you say, have a sort of like a film budget to go and shoot that kind of thing. Because, number one, you couldn't. You mm -hmm. just you wouldn't. Would, there's no budget big enough to do that, uh, not in the commercial world. But what it, the execution really did for me was that it said that if you look hard enough and if you research well enough, then you can find the work you need, the images you require, the story that you want, and bring it together in a way that sometimes doesn't take a lot of money in terms of capital expenditure to create that work, but time and hours. And I think that's where the passion of the creative world will shine through because it's our passion that helps bring that story to life. Just as a journalist has passion to tell a true story, good creatives have a passion to make sure that what they do is well-crafted, well-told, and so simple that people talk about that work. And no one talks about advertising these days. For us to sit here and talk about advertising is awesome. I wish it was us talking about Singapore advertising and not a campaign from New York. But that's another day. Yes, the other thing about the execution that was really noteworthy for me is the fact that it is copy-led. I mean, so often we've been seeing, you know, lots of visual-led ideas. And because the New York Times is, after all, a newspaper, the choice of using copy and the way they did the typography, which was simply, you know, typed out, type letter, type words to tell the story, it really fits well with who the New York Times is. And we were just discussing earlier that the art of copywriting seems to have gone down the tubes. Yes. I mean, I think actually advertising uh, per se, I think, has gone down the tubes. I, I do remember a, a day when I first came into this business back in the early 80s. But really, I remember back in the day when advertising first got my interest. And at the core of it was great copy, great headlines that made you laugh, 
that uh, engaged you, that sucked you into that advertising argument. And I think this is what I really got excited about the New York Times work, was that it was all about copy. It was all about the message. And it was a message that was so well told. You know, writing in the style that they wrote, finding those arguments in the way that they did, would have taken a lot of time, a lot of rewrites. At the end of the day, it paid off because it gauged you and made you think about the five topics that they, they picked up on. The Myanmar, uh, Myanmar crisis, Mexico and children being left alone, Donald Trump, ISIS. Therefore, I'm trying to think of the fifth, but they were wonderful in a way that they just made the argument and it was down to the writing. And I think for me, I wish we could just get back to that because it's, it's what we say as much as what we show that sets a brand apart from another. Yep. And New York Times really did have an argument to make. You know, in this era of fake news where opinions are banded around, they make the argument that you have to pay for the truth and that the truth is worth it. With each film going into all the necessary things needed to uncover the truth. You know, you see them taking planes, you see them being undercover, you see them in all sorts of accommodation. There is a literal real cost of uncovering the truth, going over there and finding out what's really happening. At the same time, the word worth is really interesting because each film also celebrates a priceless human attribute the attribute where the journalists needed to have in order to uncover the truth. So we have attributes like courage, resolve, and persistence. They made an incredible argument within the context of our times right now, and that made it all the more powerful and culminated in a call to action to get a New York Times subscription. And they were very successful at that. Well, uh, you, in what you just said, there's a lot of things to you could talk about, actually. People will pay for a great story. That's why great novelists are selling books like you wouldn't believe. But they'll also pay for news when they believe the news is, is right and the, the news is well-crafted and the news is based on something that can be proven to be true. They won't pay for the sort of like uh, flippery that we find sometimes camouflaged as news. It's, it, they won't pay for it. They'll just sort of ignore it. Um, but if you, as an advertiser, you want to be associated with great stories. So you will advertise where those stories are. So to a degree, people will pay for the news, but it can also become the uh, salvation, if you like, for newspapers. And the fact that they should be really up, upping the ante on how they gather stories, how they prove their stories are correct, and go against the current mantra from certain quarters that a lot of what we see is fake news. So I think if you can prove that you're doing a great job and you've got a story that can be proven to be true and correct and well done, well said, well written, then people will pay. Advertisers will pay to be associated with it and everyone's happy ever after. Well put. I think the question for the small business owner is that they can ask themselves, what is the context in which your ad is appearing? Are you really reflecting and speaking to the concerns of people at this very point? Is your message relevant? Are there um, any other lessons that you saw in the campaign that you want to talk about, Kevin? If you have a set of principles at the beginning and you adhere to those principles, then you'll have a really good start to your business life. We have a saying at my agency that actually I, I heard on the BBC radio as I was driving one day and I hadn't set my agency up at the time. I was thinking about what do I do? Do I go freelance? And I heard on the BBC World Service 
a lady talking about her father, who at the time was a civil servant for the English government. And he had written a book and he titled it Keep It Simple, Keep It Human, Keep It Short. And I thought, my gosh, that applies to so much today, not just what it applied for at the time, which is in 1957, I think. And he wrote that because at the time he felt that the interdepartmental mail was too flowery, too fluffy, and everyone was trying to be out-clever each other in the way they wrote memos. So he wrote that book saying, keep things simple, keep things short, keep things human. And I thought, well, that is so apt today. And I try and do that in my business. So we try and keep it simple, short and human because I believe that's what advertising is. And that's just me, but I'm not here to talk about myself. But it's helped define the kind of work that I want to do as a business, the kind of advertising I want to write for my clients, the kind of work that ultimately goes out to to the greater public. As a business, you should be thinking about that yourselves, about what do you want to stand for and then put it at the heart of what you do. Yes, I think when businesses do that, they really are chunking up to one of the fundamental questions that, you know, humans, all of us, ask ourselves at one point or another. And the question is, who am I? And if you can, um, you know, base your company's work or marketing based on a human value that people can relate to, then you might just have the beginnings of a tribe to create a community of people who rally around that particular value. And I think that is absolutely correct. Mm. And I think one of the great unused mediums, properly used mediums, is actually the social posts that we find in, in social media today. So much of it is utter junk. Um, I see so many posts over the... Well, we all do. We all get interrupted by ads on our Facebook feeds, etc. And most of them you just scroll by because it's got a logo on the front. The logo means nothing to you, so you just scroll by. Um, there is nothing that arrests you. There's nothing that takes your imagination. There's nothing that says, oh, hang on, watch that. But, you know, social media is, is, a, is a media for us to engage with people, to consumers, to have a dialogue conversation. So many times we shy away from that. We fear the one person who might post, I don't agree, I think your product or service is rubbish. Well, fine. Everyone's going to have a point of view. The nimble, the fast, the people who are brave will come back to that person and say, hey, hi, what's the problem? Have a debate. Have a discussion. Invite the guy over for a cup of coffee. I don't know. Start a chat. Bring the guy on side. You never know. That person who started as your enemy might turn out to be your best friend or your brand's best friend because he feels that he's part of your business because you've listened to him or her. And I think sometimes in social media, we forget about the power of it because we're in fear of what people might say on it. We shouldn't be fearful of it. We should engage with it. I think what the New York Times has done, just to bring it back to our case study, is that they have managed to separate people into two camps. One camp uh, that's willing to pay for the news and another camp that doesn't. But much more than that, because they chunked it up to a higher value, that of truth and integrity. Therefore, then it becomes whether or not you are a believer and do you stand for the truth or do you not. And that's when you get people who believe in your message um, you know, that's when you got a true advocate. So I think that's what Kevin is pointing to. There's your conversation. And there's nothing that makes a bigger conversation than news, if there's an opinion, because there's always going to be another. You know, you put the two opinions together and you've got a bigger conversation because others will join in and you'll have a healthy debate about whatever it is you put out there. So thank you, Kevin, for your thoughts and insights today. We really appreciate it. For more tips and tricks on marketing, as well as powerful insights as we did today, please go to the Big Brand Hack 
And that's where you will also find the films for the New York Times campaign that we've been talking about. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know because it does take quite a bit to produce each episode. Please let us know by leaving a written review on any of the major podcast channels that you've been listening on. So thank you very much. I hope you got a ton of value out of this. And of course, thank you, Kevin. No, thank you very much for inviting me along. 